Welcome to the Effects Loop. I'm Chris. I'm Marissa. I'm Scott. I'm Diaz. And I am also Scott. And we're keeping you in the loop of the guitar community. This episode is brought to you by Stringjoy, which uh, we have the owner, Scott, on here with us today. What's going on, everybody? This is, uh, it's funny having a, uh, sponsoring something and then it's me actually there to do it. Usually it's somebody else <laughs> talking about it. Well, it's your fault if we, you know, disparage your brand now, so. That sounds, that sounds good. I think I can handle it. But yeah, I'm not going to give you any pitch now because we're probably going to talk a whole bunch about strings and all sorts of fun things later. So, so stay tuned for more of that. Yep. All right. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and jump into our what's new. Um, I'll go ahead and start because it kind of leads into Marissa's. Uh, even though last week we said I would never sell my TV Yellow Junior that you've probably seen on our Instagram, uh, we actually sold that this weekend. Um, and Marissa, tell them why we sold that. Because one of our hosts is a liar. <laughs> <laughs> that bony. <laughs> it doesn't help we did it like right during the episode too that we actually like bought what we got to sell the Junior for. Well... <laughs> No, it was after. Well, we were trying during. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. So we bought a 2009 Billy Joe Armstrong signature. Yeah. Oh, that's, and it looks sweet. That's super relic. Yep, it is. But it lo- it's a good it's relic. Cool. It looks good. Like, we were talking about, there's a lot of companies that make uh, just ugly relics on guitars. Like, just... I'm trying to think. Who were, were we talking about? One that just looked unnatural at one Maddie, point. Or was, uh, it was probably natural. one of the Fender ones. Yeah. Mm. Was it Fano? Just, no, we one is one it was Fano. It was Fano. Fan, the Fano relic looked really unnatural because it was just it, in that weird spot right above the pick guard where your arm actually never touches. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And yep. we had like it was because I took that picture at Chicago Music Exchange where there were like mm-hmm, five in a it. row and they all looked identical. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You guys remember the Joe Strummer Telecasters that uh came yes. out years oh, ago? Oh, yeah. those those always great. Felt, I I I feel like when you got up close it just didn't look like uh it looked like a veneer or something to me. It didn't look like worn uh, yeah. paint like the the design is really cool though uh, i never saw one in person like that was one of th- it was really cool though because it's always awesome whenever you see a signature guitar that's interesting enough where you have to find out who that person is and th- when that came out i really didn't know who joe strummer was and i actually searched out like you know who it was and i was like oh yeah okay gotcha <laughs> so because he was he was sex pistols right Clash. Or the Clash. No, the Clash. That was it. Sorry. It was a British punk band, the Clash. That was it. <laughs> They're all the same. So on on the Billy Joe, <laughs> there was like a P ninety and a P one hundred version, right? Was no, there? it was all P one hundred. Okay. Uh, but the guy I think in his thing it said it like the P nine the P one hundred died. Mm-hmm. So it has a regular P ninety in it, so we're either gonna like swap that out with an antiquity uh Seymour Duncan, which Billy Joe actually uses. He doesn't even use his own like signature pickup that they gave him. He's a phony. Or a big fat yeah. phony. 
or uh, hopefully Lambertones will have their P90s coming out soon, so I can actually get on that train. It's a good train. It's it's, <laughs> it's a very nice train. Uh, the uh, what, so what's a all right? So I'm really gonna this is gonna be Diaz's dumb moment. What the heck's a P100? I, I like I've never really. If I remember right, it's just a stacked humbucker or a stacked P90, so that way it actually like cancels out some hum. I I don't even know anymore. So it's okay. it's kind of cool, but <laughs> I wonder does it get uh, duller okay. like how like the the Fender stacked ones, the noiseless single coils often kind of have a duller tone to them. Um, huh? that they, might explain I wouldn't why say he doesn't like use his own pickup. I I wouldn't say they're they're duller. So I've got the um the noiseless ones in my tally, but they are definitely darker. So I guess I mean if you want to consider that duller. It is. What, what's the but, difference between being darker and duller? Um, I'd say duller has uh, um, less dynamics. Like it doesn't have the whatever. Yeah. You know, I just woke up from a nap, Scott. Uh, this so. is a genuine question. This is not me making fun yeah. of you. No, I would. I would say. Yeah, I like. I get that thought process. I, I would say that like so. Darker is kind of warmer. Like it overall, it has you know so it has more, more base, more base to it. Yeah. Um. But duller, I would say. I could say. I would say. Has less dynamic feel to it. Like it doesn't react well to your picking. Like if you dig in, it doesn't react well. Which my uh, Telecaster actually does pretty well. I wouldn't say so. That's what I would consider difference between duller and darker. Hmm. But that's just me, and I'm not really the smartest person when it comes to knowledge <laughs> oh my goodness that's our episode title uh, I'm, not, I'm not the smartest person when it comes to knowledge <laughs> I've always been one of those people where I might not know how things work but if you put it in my hands I can get it to work well so fair if I was a guitar player I definitely need a guitar tech so I'm one of those guys <laughs> so uh Scott uh, our Scott, what do you got new? Uh, Scott that so, we don't like. Well, yeah, I'm not Fine Actually, no, now I'm going to just rub this into Diaz because I know he wants it. Uh, I got a big ear woodcutter. I have one. What are you talking about? Oh, what, <laughs> what, what was the big ear pedal that you wanted that you're going to get other one. for? Okay. Oh, the, the the loaf. I want a loaf pretty bad. Uh, okay. Me too. But the woodcutter that was that was like a year That'll ago. I actually bought one. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, the woodcutter is a great pedal though. You made a a good choice. Did did you have you did you put it on your board for service today? Uh, I didn't. Um. So, you know how like, especially gain pedals is one of those ones where I have a lot that I like but I don't use. Where it's yeah. like it just doesn't work for what I'm doing right now. Um, so you don't usually go high. You usually don't go into the high gain when you're playing no, at church. I, today, four of the five songs I played, I was just using a clon. Like not mm. much gain at all, um, just because I don't need it. But um, yeah, this sounded cool. I, I liked it more with my katana than the the PRS rig. So. It's it's finding its spot is really what I'm after right now. The PRS rig is kind of dark, isn't it? Like not 
it's not like dark the way my fender is. It's okay. It's brighter than that. I'll say this about the woodcutter though: is that pedal, if depending on the amp you're playing with, um, it it can be a dark pedal. Like the, uh, mm-hmm. I guess the tone yeah. knob. I'm doing air quotes, um, which is the filter knob. Uh, I usually have it turned pretty pretty much far to the left, which unlike a tone knob it goes backwards just like a normal proco rat does mm-hmm. so um yeah i i wound up brightening it up more than like i i started mm-hmm. with everything at noon and then just kind of worked it for a little bit i mean bear in yeah. mind i just got this yesterday it was it was just too soon to like make a decision on it you were in that nice yeah. little honeymoon period you're in the honeymoon period right now you're like i have to see how it's gonna work out yeah uh, and like I've been in this boss MS three for the last week, just going through the infinite amount of options and just kind of not really coming out with like a, here it is, you know, I'm still figuring it out. So I just went, I'm going, I'm, I'm leaving my board as is and just going to keep going. Okay. So that, that's what's new with me. Um, uh, so, uh, Diaz, <laughs> what about you? Uh, I bought a phaser and then another How phaser many phasers and then another <laughs> phaser. So, um, I bought three phasers this week, um, <laughs> which, uh, sounds like a lot, but it, it is. is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I bought a, so I had a boss pH two that was made in Taiwan. Um, and then I bought a boss PH two that was made in Japan, which would be early eighties. And then I bought a, I bought that one on Craigslist. Um, that's, I, so I, last episode I was talking about, I ghosted on a guy on, uh, email on accident, but I actually met up with him and bought it. And then I bought a boss PH one R, which is the PH one reissue that has a, knob to help control some of the tone um well it wasn't so it was kind of a reissue but it was early it was 80 to 85 is when it came out the early 80 ones had the silver screw and then the later mm. ones had the black screw which i didn't get a silver screw but i actually got this one it was listed at 109 for in free shipping and i sent an offer on ebay for i was like 80 bucks and he just accepted it and i was like oh i didn't expect him to accept it but okay and <laughs> then I bought a Veilton, which is one of those uh, Chinese clone companies, uh, PH10, which is a PH1, the original PH1 clone. Um, but it's pretty cool because it's um, it's a mini enclosure, but it actually has the boss stomp. So it's pretty neat. Yeah. But it, like I'm going to add on to last week's episode really quick, and we were talking about weird transactions. It took me an hour and a half to buy this pedal at the guy's house. So, but it, like, you know how you like meet up with the older guy who like always is like, oh yeah, hey, uh, I got this and this and this. Why don't you? And they want to talk to you. This guy was actually pretty cool, and um, I'm actually gonna go back to his place and bring my Kemper for him to mess with, and he's gonna give me another pedal <laughs> for my time, which is pretty neat. Um, but. Yeah, we sat there for about an hour and a half going through all his guitars and and his recording studio and all that. But 
if anyone has seen SLC Punk, there's the guy that they're trying to buy. I think it's they're buying weed from, and they they're like, we have to go through an hour and a half of listening to this guy explain all of his stuff, and it's like that's what I had to do. But at least he was pretty cool. Like we chatted for a little bit. And then finally I was just like, my wife's going to think I got murdered. I've got to go. <laughs> so. Uh, I always love oh, when um, I sold my hot rod deluxe, I had a guy like that. He like came to my house to check it out. And I was just like, what kind of guitar do you play here? Try it out with this. And he was like, he was like ready to bring me all his guitars to set them up and stuff like that. Cause he didn't like the way his played, but he liked the way I did. I was like, mm, is this worth my time? <laughs> but <laughs> so, let's see. Yeah. Sc- Scott from Stringjoy. Scott. Yeah. Scott, we like. Do you, have, do you have anything new that maybe you've bought oh, recently? Yeah. I got a lot <laughs> of stuff, actually. Um, most recently, I got a new Mexican Jazz Master. Uh, not, not like one of the brand new ones. I think it's like a 2016 um, that I was able to nab. Uh, off reverb for not too much money. I guess whoever had it before had tried to like adjust the truss rod without taking the pick guard off, and so it kind of chewed up the pick guard a little bit um, mm-hmm. down there, Oof. which I could care less about. But I got it on a pretty sweet deal, um, and I've never owned a jazz before, uh, though I've played them periodically. And I love that guitar. I love it so much. I don't want to play any other guitar, at least right now. Um, <laughs> I, I, it hasn't really left my hands. So that's been awesome. And then I got. Um, a solid gold effects uh, countercurrent, or sorry, counterculture, um, and then also the Electroman too. Uh, those guys sent me, um, and those are both a lot of fun too. Uh, in the delay and reverb world, they both kind of do crazy runaway, slightly lo-fi uh, feedbacky delay and verb. So I like all of those things a lot right now. Oh, and I got a gre- uh, greenhouse stonefish chorus. I've been busy uh, on the gear side recently. Wow. <laughs> it goes in waves. I, I won't like. Uh, I won't acquire anything for a while and then I'll sell something or something or other and then I'll just be intent on spending all the money of whatever I sold right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so your your jazz master does that have the traditional bridge on it or does it have a more modern thing? It has the more modern thing. Uh, it's got that little like fender lock and all that uh, and it's got like sort of their I can't remember what they call their their tunematic uh, bridge. Uh, Adjustomatic, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Totally different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so it's all a little bit more modern in that way, which I'm totally oh. fine with, uh, as far as you know, jazzes go. I mean, like I would love a vintage jazz, but uh, I'm I'm very happy with like the six hundred dollars I paid for this one. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, that's not bad for. So you get? Did you get a classic player effectively? Is that the I, is I, that the line you got? Yeah, basically. I, I guess it would have been. Is that what they called them in 2016, or is that the the newer term they're using now? Uh, I think I think it was classic player was before they rebranded everything player. That's right. But yeah, it, yeah. It, so yes, that is exactly what now. I. Yeah, that's exactly what I got. Um, and okay, it's cool. nice. So the, the pickups are the, so hot. The, I have to like back it back them off a little bit, which really surprised me. Well, yeah. If you have the one meg pots in a in a Jazzmaster two, you you kind of want to run everything around eight, just to get a that little bit of that high end roll off. That, that's what I've been falling into naturally. So that's actually really interesting to hear. Yeah, it, it's nice for... Because um, like 8 to 10 is not like a big volume jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it will just make you cut more. So it, it's kind of nice to have that as kind of a you know, a, a tone adjustment when you need to get a little more boost or cut the mix a little bit. 
that makes total sense. Um, I love that thing. I, I, do you ever like buy a guitar and then you kind of think about selling all of your other guitars? No. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I well, I bought. I sold a bunch of guitars to get one of my guitars, my SG, which is mm-hmm. my baby. But that's like the only guitar I really play. I play. Uh, I bring my Firebird as a backup, but my SG is the one that just gets all the play time. See, I, I kind of envy that. Like, I, I've got a bunch of guitars that none of which are all that expensive. Like, I, I've got a couple of just, like, really cheap ones and a lot of, like, $400, $500 guitars because uh, I kind of like the variety. And for what I do, I like to test strings on a number of different guitars, so it just makes more sense to have a bunch of them like that. But, uh, like, when I, I went to the, the tour at the Gibson Memphis factory a couple weeks ago, which I was telling you guys before the show, um, and I left there being like, why don't I sell all of my... <laughs> my not that expensive guitars and just buy one really expensive semi hollow body. Uh, I get that itch every so often. Yeah, they, uh, that's kind of what I did. So like, I mean, then, but the problem is, is like, I keep wanting to buy cheap guitars, but then I keep remembering that I sell them. So I've kind of like forced myself to stop buying anything really cheap unless it's like, I play it and I can't live without it because that just seems to be the problem. Like, I had a bunch of different guitars that were kind of cheap and I just, they would sit around and not do anything really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've, I've been I've itching been for a Strat. Selling one. Are you selling a Strat? Cause I've been itching for a Strat. <laughs> it uh, might've been cause I've been listening to John Mayer trio all day, but <laughs> I will soon be selling an 87 Strat. Ooh. So, how do you feel about sponsoring for six more years? No, just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, like, uh, like it'll be six years. Everyone else has moved on, and I'm still in here, like, just by myself. I was like, I'm just sending out every week. I'm just like string dry, string dry, string dry. Bye. Like, that's it. <laughs> Can't wear any other T-shirt for the next ten years. I don't have a I don't have a string dry T-shirt. Well, we need, need to get that. one. Yeah, look, there are string dry uh, shirts. There are. All right, we'll we'll talk. Because uh, <laughs> Diaz only wears guitar T-shirts. Listen, so Nam every year is how I get new clothes for the year because I have three kids and those little turds want to eat three times a day, and that's expensive. Um, Spoiled millennials. I know. I'm like I'm like listen. I'm like listen. There are kids in Africa that only eat one time a day, and you're eat, uh, you should just only eat twice as much as them. White privilege. So okay, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's uh, our cue to move on. List. <laughs> <laughs> Good leading there, Chris. Good leading. <laughs> Way to uh, divert. We have the D Adario Planet Waves Americans. Oh gosh, this is a very long title. American Stage Kill Switch Cable, which they released which is a long way. Hey, hey, yeah, before we dive away. in, Scott so. corrected us on how to pronounce that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> it it is uh from them themselves it is didario yeah no that is the official way to do it and i i should mention that i grew up playing their strings and i called them like the adario or something you know when i was 14 yeah. forever so yeah, uh, we, yeah i'm gonna stick with it until they start sponsoring two, totally two d's in there there's three yeah. d's well, actually at the beginning though oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one at the beginning and two square in the middle well, until they start sponsoring the podcast, I'm going to pronounce it however I want to. So that's my new. That's <laughs> You're going to get a call the, the, tomorrow. I listen. If if they called me tomorrow, 
I would actually just be kind of excited they actually called me. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my gosh. They, you'd like, just be like, how'd you get my number? <laughs> Scott Scott from Stringjoy like, gave us a lead. <laughs> I think they're, they're more likely to call you if I make fun of the patent pending geotip connection uh, on this cable that I'm I'm not sure what it does. Maybe they'll call Geo- you to tell you. A- oh, yeah. Call uh, us and tell us, and we'll get you okay, on the let, podcast. Let's do the whole run through on the, pay- the this thing. Um, it's it's not a totally new concept. We've seen. Um, a few lines from the, the Planet Waves kit where they have a, a silent switch in some capacity, whether it's uh, a button you push and push in, whether it's latching or momentary. Um, so it's like, wait, hold mute. on, hold on, hold on. Yep. I actually had one of these before. Did you not, not this, but I had a mute. Like, I just kind of remembered it. Yeah. They used to make whenever. them and they would break a lot. I forgot who, who make them, but yeah. who, who made them, but plan- yeah. It was Planet Waves. I yeah. had one that was Planet Waves because that was I remember really that. big because the Planet Waves and Monster both had kind of the same thing of if you bring it to the store, they replace it. Um, Monster was a little bit better, but which they got rid of that. Uh, but like, yeah, I remember I had Planet Waves and I was I had the mute because that's back whenever I played like through a crate two by 12 solid state and like it was nothing but noise and all that fun stuff and i would mute it on the on the right angle connection and yeah i mean like it's the problem is is you've got other companies that are doing something better so new trick i think that's how you pronounce i don't care all right so those people (laughs) (laughs) they've actually got one that when you yank it out it automatically mutes itself yeah which you can there's there's sort of different schools of thought like you know every switch in the world has a finite lifespan and it's all about like which one lasts longer which one works more reliably i remember like a previous version of this used like magnets to do it instead of like a physical switch and so there's been different ways of doing it but i my whole grief with this company or this product line was just the price is too high for what it is yeah, because you went and built a cable from Sinusoid that had the Nutrick. I'm going to say Nutrick, and everyone can just deal with it. Um, had the Nutrick switch on it. It was like the same length, and it, I mean, it's going to be from Sinusoid, so in my opinion, it's probably going to be better quality because it's being you know, made with care, and it's got, what, a 100-year warranty on it. It's almost and like they sponsored this this ad just now, it feels like. We're giving a free like, sp- sinusoid away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but you get um, but it was like ten bucks cheaper. It was about the and same price. All said was, done, yeah, like feature wise, it, it wound up being about the same for a custom variant cable. And yeah. I mean that all has to do too with like I didn't use the most expensive cable. I used Mogami in their builder and stuff like that. But it was like at. At that price point for what they're charging for this, there there's a lot of competition. You're you're priced above the Mogami Gold series. You're priced um, above a lot of the custom cabling and all those kind of things. So it was just like, I don't think necessarily of Planet Waves as the ultra premium brand of cable. I think of them more in like the terms of like this is your second cable. Yeah, I think of Planet Waves yeah. like as just not like the lower end like live wire mm-hmm. but kind of like 
they're just they're like the Walmart brand. Uh, I mean, they're at Guitar Center and Sam Ash and stuff like that. Like they're they're, they're everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it's a step above the. All right, here's the cheapest cable coax cable we have, and we're gonna put Switchcraft ends on it. Okay, you know? no, no, no. I I know what it reminds me of. You know how like when you go to a shopping place, like say you go to like, I don't know what you got up there in fancy Chicago, but down here in the south we've got Walmart, and they've got there's the like. <laughs> There's the the brand of macaroni and cheese. That's the white box that just says mac like mac and cheese. That's all it says on it. It doesn't even give you like the nutritional information. That and that one's like fifty. <laughs> that's cents. illegal. I, <laughs> I, well, all right. It's got very. <laughs> that's because there's no nutrition in it. So there's you've got that one right there. It's no longer that, like, food. It doesn't, doesn't even have, have like a picture on it. It just says mac and cheese on it. And then there's the one next to it that's like great value, macaroni and cheese. And it's a, it's a blue box, so it makes you think that it's almost like Kraft macaroni and cheese, but you know it's not. And then next to it's Kraft macaroni and cheese. They're the one right there in the middle. They're the blue box, but they're not like they're not Kraft. That'll make sense to a lot of people, don't worry. So oh, they're yeah. they're the they're the house brand. Uh, great value no, no. is the house brand. Great value is the house brand. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. So they're, they're, they're like kind of like the house brand, but they're not the like live wires, like the white box that doesn't have a picture on it. That's still the house brand, but it's there. It's the house brand's low end. So just to- I figured, <laughs> I figured out something. It's the, I'm not sure what the difference is, but I've been here, you know, messing around on the, the Dario accessories website and the, uh, what we're talking about, the American stage kill switch cable that's like the premium line. They have the same thing. They have a 10-foot circuit breaker instrument cable uh, that's 26. So I'm not sure what the, the price disparity is, but we were talking about how we'd seen these oh, before. Oh, that's less than uh, half. Yeah, yeah. So I guess like they, they've had it wow. in some iteration um, for a long time, but there's something, you know, this is the American stage series. Because so. it says American on it, so we get to charge more? I guess. This yeah, is maybe the stage, you see. So many of these these cables, they're just made for the bedroom. This is this is made for pros. <laughs> I thought if it was made in America, it should be cheaper because the gosh darn tariffs and all that stuff. <laughs> okay, all right, we're gonna get off that subject. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the uh, real the real fancy thing here is it's a, a unique form of soldering they claim. So, and then there's the. It has a different tip than a traditional like a patented geo tip. Yeah, um, it looks like I mean, it's you just can a just different take shape one look that makes this better thing contact. And you, you immediately can see that it's just a different paradigm of, of tip. I mean, it looks nothing like it looks just like a regular tip. Uh, I would whoa, whoa, whoa. Pa- paradigms owned by Ernie Ball. <laughs> We're getting a, a I, slow I our roll here. <laughs> I listen. I still was one of the people that when it came out, I was like, what's a paradigm? <laughs> that was my favorite part. I called them that too. Did you I, really? I, I, I oh, no, still, I, every I, time I I'm reading to say the word, I, I intentionally uh, chose uh, to call them no. that. Because the way they split it up, it was para and then the dime on the bottom. I was like, I was like, para digum like what like what is this and then someone was like said it in a video like paradigm i was like oh wow i'm dumb (laughs) don't split up words on me i don't know what a conjunction is (laughs) (laughs) so uh what is this an english podcast (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, it is an English podcast. <laughs> Hungry, Hungry Robot came out with modular hey. stuff. So they've been teasing that for a while. Um, th- they're doing Eurorack stuff. Well, it's uh, like, it's not true Eurorack, but it works in a Eurorack. It's, it's like pedals that could eventually be in a Eurorack. So like you can start and play around. Um, They've got what? It, how many is it? Thirteen pedals on the site right now. Looks like it. And they're yeah. none of them are terribly expensive. No, it's like one hundred fifty bucks on average. Like I think they're well. Hold on. I think there's the most a, expensive 100? one's one hundred fifty. There's oh a sequencer. Yeah, I was just okay. looking at that one hard. Oh my gosh, that's they've like done a, re- a lot of really cool stuff. So like 75 to 150 is the price range of this, which is pretty cool because, um, I mean, when you look at stuff like, uh, when JHS came out with their rack stuff, their Euro rack stuff, it was stuff 500 seemed- rack. It's a different standard. Yeah. I get corrected when I used to say that. So yeah, it, okay. Euro rack and 500 racks are different things. Okay. All right. Yeah, your racks are more for synths. 500 series are, are more for like recording. Okay. Yeah, they fit so, in a recording desk. All right, but okay, if you put stuff in a rack of some sort, it seems like this is pretty decently priced. Um, and Very. on, and it's hungry robot has always made great sounding gear. Mm-hmm. Like I have, I've never, uh, I have the monastery from them right now. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they came out with the monastery, and then like I've I've wanted the wash or not the wash the uh, uh what's it called the Carum or Carm or something like that. Uh, it's the one with the joystick, the reverb and delay. The Carmen line. Carmen line. That's it. Yeah. So I'm a fan of joysticks because I'm ADD and I want to play with stuff, <laughs> and like it just seems they make great sounding stuff. I we ran into them. Um, I met. Uh, the gentleman from Hungry Robot uh, at uh, Starbucks right before Summer Nam a couple years ago. So, so what's cool was, about these things that I, I feel like we didn't mention earlier is that like they're they're really made like they they are compatible with Eurorack gear, but they're made to stand on their own. Like that's kind of the whole pitch of them is that like you don't need a Eurorack to to have these. You can literally plug them into a nine volt. Uh, and and you're good to go, which I think is actually I think they, really cool. I, I think they can take anything rig. from like negative twelve volts all the way up to twelve. So like they can yeah. take Euro rack power, but they can run on a they can run on a one spot if you need to as well. That that's really actually impressive. Yeah, yeah it really is. And that's what I think is cool is because you don't have to actually like buy a Euro rack like a case and all that to to run them. You know, they're they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they look like a lot of fun i mean it's we're not going to go through piece by piece by piece but lots lots of cool options there i think this will hit because i we were talking about uh modular kind of things before and how like in the guitar world it never seems to kind of catch on because it just Mm -hmm. gets too expensive to really take the leap into it whereas at 75 Mm -hmm. to 150 you'll pick up one or two or three of these and then you'll slowly build as long as the line keeps kind of staying alive, I I, I uh, see this one uh, actually being more uh, successful. Uh, staying alive, staying alive. <laughs> I knew when I said it, I lost Diaz. So, <laughs> listen, that's the perfect tempo if you're doing CPR. By the way, just throwing that out there. 
Thank you. Thank you, Dunder Mifflin employee of well, safety. <laughs> actually, actually, I knew that before Dunder Mifflin. So <laughs> my stepdad was, he taught EMT class. So I, I've, I've been certified in CPR since like I was two. I don't know. It's so, concerning, but okay. <laughs> so moving into even the more weird and less guitar oriented stuff. Uh, we stumbled upon this Kickstarter that's going on for the oddball. Did you guys get a chance to really check this out in depth? I didn't watch yes, the video. This looks I read it. Very interesting. I read about it. I didn't get to watch the video. Oh, it, um, it's it's so is it's a Bluetooth device that will connect to MIDI, um, and it has a motion sensor in it. And so they put it in a ball, and so you can move it around. You can chuck the ball around create midi beats based on like dribbling or like playing it or tossing it and things like that and it got they got they had some really good examples of kind of fun stuff to do with it how big um, is this ball i'm listening to the video right now uh, it's like in my headphones at the same time as you guys are talking and this thing is cool yeah it really mm -hmm. is how, how big yep. is this ball like a lacrosse uh, ball or a tennis ball or okay the only reason it's, i started you know, with lacrosse is because that's what's sitting on my desk right now but um, wait, wait. You play lacrosse? No, I. Uh, it's it's just a really stout ball, <laughs> so I stick it between me and my chair when my back hurts, and I just kind of use it to kind of like massage a point, like if I have a knot in my back. <laughs> I was terrible at lacrosse <laughs> when I tried it. So. There's a guy in this video juggling with the oddball and making these super awesome uh, sounds, and yeah, I I I feel like my only issue with it is it's making juggling uh, look cool. And I feel like that's potentially dangerous <laughs> for a whole generation of kids out there. Oh. Wait, wait. So is he using just one of them that's working, or has he like got three going making He's a... got three going. It's nuts. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. I yeah, don't know. Like, I didn't make it that far in the video. I, here's, here's my question, though. All it's right. definitely the gateway into, into being a carny, and that's what, I, what worries me. Oh, yeah. Gateway drugs, man. Uh, so is this going to... Do you think this will be a novelty that's going to be like, Oh, this is really cool, but no one's actually going to buy it and use it. Or do you think this is going to be something that well, you might see, like an artist use at some point? I, I think He's for like a DJ, this would be in the Kickstarter. I, I think this would be a great DJ trick when they're on stage, like for doing stage stuff or things like that. Or I could totally see like the Blue Man Group having like twenty of these on stage at some point. Oh, oh, oh yeah. what about what about what about like Skrillex or like one of those guys? Yeah. If you could so put it into like a just, basketball, then I think you'd you'd be in the money. Like I'd want to. You remember those old Nike commercials where like Jason Williams and the guys were doing like the spider yeah. and other like basketball tricks? <laughs> I would totally <laughs> do that with a, a drum machine <laughs> basketball on stage. Listen, hold on, Han. Could you imagine if Michael Jackson was still alive and he got Michael Jordan on there, and the Michaels did music together? <sighs> That'd be something. Yes, it would be. Let's, all right, hold on, Han. Hologram Michael Jackson. We get Michael Jordan to throw back on the two three. We're doing this. <laughs> this is going to be the effects loop special. We're going to make this happen. Well, all right. So the, Michael Jordan, if you're listening, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's one, one of one of our four listeners. Is Michael Jordan? Be, be like Mike. Come on. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Imagine if he did the Space Jam theme song with it. Yes. Oh, my goodness. That's it. I want this to happen. Aren't they doing another goal. Space Jam with LeBron? No, I think that was like one of those like fake things oh. that came out. 
I hope they don't. They better not sully that movie. Because I'm sorry. That's that's going to be a classic. It, I want to open up. Didn't you a, just like, watch it like capsule. last week? I've, I watch it like once a week. <laughs> it's what keeps me going. It's like, uh, I watch it before work every day. I have to be to work at 5 a.m. I'm up at 2 starting Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. That's what makes me get through the day. <laughs> so, uh, so one other kind of, you know where I totally expected to see this as well would be like a science music exam for kids of like introducing music. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Very like, cool. But yeah, they're, so they're what? $77 for one, one fifty for two. They're just like, they're like just out of my impulse buy price range though. Yeah. If they were like 50 bucks, I'd be like, bam. Done. Yeah. One for fifty, I'd be all over that. Um, but yeah, it it's fun. All these demos are just a lot of wild fun. Fun. So yeah, we'll post a link to this in the main group. Uh, looks pretty cool. Yep. Agreed. Whoa, whoa, Marissa! I think you've reached your uh, word count for the yeah, day. Someone, someone mute her, please. Thank yeah, you. Totally. okay. Uh, <laughs> mute. Oh. <laughs> spoken too much actually marissa why don't you introduce this next one that we got coming up here oh we actually muted her okay (laughs) oh my gosh did we that wasn't even me excuse me (laughs) no we didn't so next we have the full tone supertrum junior Mm mm-hmm yeah She's like, that's it. I introduced it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, so the super trim like is like the it's an industry staple for tremolos. Um, Was it the first tap tempo trim? Maybe. No, that's got to be Cusack. That's got to be the, t- the yeah. That's got to be the tap world because John like made tap tempo. Yeah, that's like yeah, but is, has, has Cusack been going since the early nineties though? No, well, I don't, I don't know if. No, but John has been making the stuff. Like I think I John might have been making the items because he's an engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe before he was really making pedals as a company. Well, but is it? But is it, was the original Super Trem tap? I don't think it was. I know it had oh, the giant oh, low for right. Yeah, it had that no. last low. Uh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the the one. It's got a half speed switch. A hard soft yeah. switch and then a bypass. So that's why this is. Yeah, their, no, their and it has the giant. It had the giant knob. Oh, okay. John had them by like twelve right years for you to use your foot. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm here right on the computer to settle any and all debates that occur on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I have your phone number, we're just going to call you in the middle of like <laughs> episodes. I like to use a lifeline. Uh... <laughs> when Diaz and I are arguing over something, we're just going to call you now. Could you like even do a like side note? Could you even really effectively do the "Who wants to be a millionaire?" phone a friend in the modern world? Because like you could find the answer to any question, like you know, just by by typing it in while they're on the show in like no time, and they'd have no idea. I I love the people that will like call me to do something they know I'm just going to Google. Yeah. 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 The new "Who wants to be a millionaire?" should just be called like "What do you know?" without your phone in front of you. <laughs> Not actually okay, a bad so, idea. All right, so my phone call disc- 
There we my go. phone call disconnected, so I was actually talking, and I probably talked over someone. So, <laughs> if there's a little bit of jumble right there, I apologize. Uh, great. We, I'm gonna have we, to watch the whole episode now. Forty minutes. We'll just timestamp it. Timestamp forty minutes and fix it, and then we can yeah. cut this part out if you want. So the Super Trump <laughs> Junior. So you're telling me I'll, you guys got off topic without me? No, we stayed yeah. on topic. Oh, okay. So I haven't seen a price on this yet. Um, uh, I don't know if I don't know if it's bringing the cost down at all at the smaller size. Um, the first press release didn't have any pricing information on it. Uh, one fifty-nine. Yeah, one fifty-nine is what I saw too. So how does that compare to the old one, or the the non-junior? Uh, shit. I think it's hard to say. Of... On their site, they don't have the, the Supertrem two anymore, which I realize now it, the Supertrem two is what's kind of being replaced by the Supertrem Junior, and there still is yeah. Supertrem one. This is all confusing. The Supertrem one is 199 yeah. MSRP, but it's on sale for only 139 dollars now. Uh, so they're oh. liquidating the old ones right now. Yes, we. Uh, reverb is not helping the world. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's smaller. Does it have... One of the things I know people really like about the Super Trem, Trem is that the knobs can be turned with your foot real easily. Yep. Yeah, this doesn't have that. These have just normal knobs on them. Mm. I don't know. That's too bad. You could we could tell Mike Fuller about it and get yelled at. See, see his response. I nice. imagine the logic is probably that like with the tap tempo, then you don't need the bigger knobs. Yeah, yeah probably. Well, the, I, the, they still have uses to me, I think. But uh, it sounds more like more than anything, like it's time to get a, a really cheap super tram nowadays. Yeah, is it I wrong that so. I, I'm frequently the guy that when like a new version comes out of something? That I was already interested in. I'm just excited because the old ones are going to be cheaper now. Oh no, 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 no. I'm completely the same way. I love it. Mm -hmm. Like it's, I, I, I particularly a, like it with uh, I bought JHS a JHS when, kilt. Like as soon as yeah. the new kilt came out, I was like, yes, I'll get an old one. I still love the fact that the new kilt, like people are just like, I like the old one better. Yeah, well, I, it had that's a, been it had a bomb boost the response in it. I've heard it had had the boost in it. I need to get mine back. Where's it at? Uh, it's on another pedal board at my church right now. Okay. So it's not my dogs this week. <laughs> <laughs> I actually muted myself. I actually muted myself down a little bit to get rid of the dogs, but since you guys talked about it, that's you my know, dogs. Because my <laughs> briefly on the JHS note, while that while that dog's hollering, um, <laughs> I, I will say uh, one thing. I would whose dog is that? Jeez. Um, <laughs> it's my dog, but I keep I keep muting myself on the recording, so it won't pick him up. You guys oh, keep yeah. talking about him. We'll probably ed edit that out. Then. But I I will say one thing. I think uh, Josh is doing that's really cool is that a lot of his V2s have been coming in at a cheaper price, which is kind of rare. Yeah. I think usually you see V2s being a chance to ratchet up the price. Um, mm -hmm. Frequently, I think companies struggle because like. You, you need to raise your prices as time goes on because inflation goes up. Um, but people always, you know, get weirded out when you do it. So releasing like a new version is an easy way to do it. But I think it's cool that they're going the opposite way. I mean, the old kilt was like 280 and the new one's like 200. So that, that's kind of cool. 
yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I, I actually like the idea that you can, uh, on the new kilt, the red remote turns on and off the, the second gain stage. That's kind of, but that's kind of like with all of their uh, V2s and stuff that's coming out. Yeah, it's, the, it's instead of having the boost that you can either run before or after on the, the, Kate, the kilt version one. Um, they have two other gain stages or clipping stages you can alter. And so that's what the red mo remote does. So it actually gives you effectively two just overdrive pedal options. Mm. Cool. Which is cool. But I, I like anyway. all those, like the, the Emperor Unicorn uh, Panther Cub <laughs> V2s too. Those, those went down in price quite a bit, I think. Uh, and those kind of all have the, the exact same features, just in a smaller box. Yeah, and I and I think they might have taken the opportunity to uh, fix some issues that they had in the V ones. Mm -hmm. So that was like the because I know that I played a Panther Cub. For, it was I think it was the V one point five, and that pedal was just kind of noisy. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, yeah, a whole new layout will definitely change that around. Yeah, on the, on the circuit board. I'm hoping. That, I think that they kind of do that, but you know, Josh is really good about finding out what's wrong with something and fixing it in newer, it, you know, written reissues are like the new versions. Be some pedal companies are just like, Oh, well that's just the way it's supposed to be. And they just keep going. And you're like, yeah, but that the way it's supposed to be kind of stinks. Not a bug. So, it's a feature. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. We want it to be that noisy. All right. Oh. Let's dive into our topic. <laughs> so, Harley, this is the whole inception of us meeting Scott originally was uh, we reached out to him because we had our we had that list of like top strings and features and stuff like that. And we were just like, we're idiots. We need to talk to somebody who actually knows stuff about stuff. <laughs> uh, and clearly wait, you tried uh, everybody else in the world and we're left with only me uh, no, actually, at the bottom I, of the no stuff list. I, I emailed you first and you replied like really quickly so we didn't even bother <laughs> reaching out to anybody else uh <laughs> so scott believe that? it or not you we we, we yeah you were our first choice to prom so yes yeah what an honor it is so, as long as we didn't take our cousin we're good so <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness but i was so glad you guys reached out um and it's been it's been cool to get to know you a little bit when you you know emailed i was like you guys need uh have any interest in sponsorship or anything like that um so it's been cool to, to work with you. I think with strings, I spend a lot of my time uh, educating people um, about all the different nuances of strings, and there's a lot of people out there that really don't don't care or don't know that they should care, and it's my job usually to convince them. So it's nice when people reach out and are like, you know, really interested to to know more or to learn the answer to a question or something that that cuts out the whole me explaining why you should care part, <laughs> and I just get to explain what's up. So yeah, well, thank you I for think your a curiosity. lot of people. I think a lot of people get locked into something really early because it's just like that's the decision they made. So like I locked into a certain brand of strings, a certain type and when I was like 16 and I've literally been buying mm -hmm. the same guitar strings for all my guitars since I was 16 up until recently because uh, I just never thought about it. And yeah. then I started playing around with it and going, oh, cool. There's more cool stuff here and there's more options and um I mean, the, part of that's just from collaborating with you and seeing your offerings. But um, I, I guess yeah, the first one that... So, go ahead. Oh, I was going to... I might be just preempting your next question. But I was going to huh. say, I mean, I, I, I very much was the same way. I, uh, 
I started playing a, a brand of strings that are made in Long Island. Um, I won't say the name when I was like 12. Uh, and it's kind of like, you know, you, you hook them when you're young. Uh, so I was playing those forever um, myself. And the only reason I kind of started the journey into learning more about strings was uh, at a certain point I was, you know, I, I got really kind of geeky into doing some light mods um, and messing with tubes in my amp and pickups in my guitars and all sorts of things to try to customize my rig and make everything play just right. Um, and there was a certain point that I was just like, I, I, why am I tweaking every single thing in my entire rig? and still playing the exact same strings. There has to be something there. Um, and so that's what kind of spawned the journey into customizing gauges and eventually learning how to make strings and you know, eventually having uh, a whole company. So all that is to say, uh, I started out the same way. I think you're right. Everyone just, you, you kind of begin somewhere and get locked into something and that, that's what you play until you don't. <laughs> well, string companies seem to be really big on brand loyalty. Like that's, like that's one of the things, like you said, to hook them while they're, it's like the cigarette. Com you know companies hook them while they're young you know like i was i started off with ernie ball because they had the artist list on the back and i was like angus young plays with these yes all day every day and then i moved to Dodario, and i kind of stayed with them for a while probably the longest and i moved to another company that came out that was uh most people know about so i won't say it <laughs> but then I moved to, um, now I'm on Stringjoy, so. Well, we're happy to have you. <laughs> you, you guys make good stuff. Like, I, I've, like, th they're, they're on my SG right now. You've got another set coming to me for my Firebird, and mm -hmm. I, I think they sound and play great. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I think brand loyalty, which you mentioned, is, it's a very good point, obviously. I, I, I see a lot of people that'll comment and be like, I use this brand. I've used them for 40 years. You know, screw you for uh you know not being that brand i'm like okay that's that's fine you can keep playing your brand um, <laughs> but I, I think brand loyalty is an interesting thing because too much brand loyalty on the consumer side is kind of bad for consumers right like a company would love nothing more than an entire crew of people that are locked into buying their stuff no matter what it means that you you know your quality isn't really that important <laughs> your your service that you're offering your customers isn't that important if they're like sort of shamelessly brand loyal regardless um, you don't have to do anything except kind of steadily cut costs to make more money over time. Um, I, I think it's not good for people um, when people aren't as, as brand loyal and ask more from their brands. That forces companies to have to, you know, provide a, either a better quality product or better service to people. So, getting into kind of like what makes strings special or different or things like that, because we were kind of we were stuck on a few like buzz terms and things like yeah. that. Hoping, hoping you can kind of work through some of these assumptions we've had. Totally. Uh, absolutely can. So the first one to talk about, I think, is you, you, we see the term balance tension thrown around a lot. Sure, yeah. yeah so I've, what uh, is that? I've probably been a, a big reason that that's, that's thrown around a lot. I'm not the only person out there making uh, a balance tension guitar string set, but it's definitely been uh, kind of at the forefront uh, of our brand. So, so that's a big piece of it. So in essence, um, when you look at the gauges that are in a, a set of guitar strings, I think a lot of people have this notion that like, oh, these were like put together super intelligently with a lot of uh, measurement and you know scientific approach to it um, and a lot of know-how, and that's not really the case. So um, back in in the way back, you used to be only only be able to get like 12s and 13s for guitar. Um, that's what they made for acoustic guitars, and when you started seeing electric guitars. 
they basically kept the gauges the same. Uh, and back then, you know, you're talking about Charlie Christian and jazz players, so that wasn't really a big deal. But once kind of rock and roll started happening uh, in the 60s, people wanted to get lighter gauge strings. And this is where you hear the whole stories of like, Jimi Hendrix would use a banjo string um, on his high E, um, which he would, but it's the same as a guitar string. It's just, it was a way for him to get a thinner gauge. So they would start putting a really thin high E string, sometimes a banjo string, and they would slide all the other gauges in the set down and then like throw out the sixth string. Um, And so that's where you saw a lot of... um, a lot of these sets coming from basically um, like a set of nines is basically a set of 12s that you slide the wound third, that 24 down to the fourth and then 32, 42 at the bottom end uh, that were just, you know, the third, fourth and fifth strings of a set of 12s. So in many ways, that's kind of how it started. Um, and then the, the big guy that did a lot of it was, was Ernie ball. And I mean like the actual guy that owned a music store. Um, he started fiddling with some, some gauges. Uh, I think they were Gibson strings that he was getting back then. Um, and just kind of put together these sets, right? Uh, and they work fine, but the sets that you see today, like the 10 to 46 set or the 9, 11, 16 on a set of nines, these are literally things that he or a couple other guys just kind of put together because they thought they sounded good. Um, and they don't sound terrible, but it's not to say that there isn't a lot of improvement that can be made. So anyway, when, when we built out our sets, we had the luxury of not being a brand that's been around for 60 years that if you changed things up, people would have you know a conniption. Um, we were able to approach it fresh. So when we did, um, we built our set of 10s, for example, to have a 13.5 at the B instead of a 13 and a 48 on the low E uh, instead of a 46. And that's because if you look at the tension on a given set of strings, so this is how hard it is to bend that string. Um, there are these two big dips on a typical set of 10s on the second string and on the sixth strings. Um, and people have just gotten used to that. And you can even hear it in some ways. If you play a set of 10s and you really pay closely close attention to your plain strings, you can frequently hear a little bit less volume on that B string um, than you have on your E and on your G. Um, so our 13 and a half fixes that, and it's the same thing on the bottom. Um, if you've ever noticed playing a set of tens, you can usually take that six string and bend that thing like clear off the neck if you want to. Uh, it's a lot more mm-hmm. floppy than the other strings in the set. So our 48 aims to fix that as well. And what it means, in essence, is that every string should take the same amount of effort to fret or to bend a, a certain way. Um, and, and that's what we call a balanced tension set. There are a couple different ones from different brands. Um, one thing that I should mention here is that uh, a string is not necessarily a string. Um, so uh, different brands, you know, 46s, for example, um, will have different masses. Um, there, there's only so far they vary, but uh, they'll have different tensions as well. So um, a balanced set from one company doesn't necessarily mean those are the gauges that would be balanced from a different company. Uh, as well. There's, there's a lot of different things going on there. So that's a very, very long answer to a very simple question. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a, the standard for lack of a better term is something that happened just by chance. And at the time to kind of sit there and go, well, we're starting fresh. Would we use what, what, what standard you, you reassess and, and look at something well, different. I, I always thought it was just kind of weird that like, so everyone goes with their sets and they always call it by whatever the high E string is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, yeah, but what about all the other ones? Like, yeah, it's I'm a good playing point. with tens. A lot of players know with... the first gauge and they sometimes know the, the lowest gauge. Like they, they know the first and sixth string gauges. Uh, 10 to 52 very or 10 to 46. Know the ones in between. Yeah. Yeah. 
You have that memorized. Do you have your social security number memorized, Diaz? Yes. Uh, I do. <laughs> okay. But I'm not going to say it, but I will let you know my mother's main name. And uh, if I and the name of my first animal pet. So I, I was just commenting on like the weird things we're able to memorize and then the things that we just can't like I, you know, family members birthdays. I still struggle to remember. But at the same time, I know the gauges of all my strings like <laughs> just the weird stuff. Um, so a- another topic that came up and, and Diaz, I think you're playing with this right now as well is the concept of a wound G string mm-hmm. on an electric guitar yeah. is. Yeah. So I actually messaged Scott uh, a couple days ago and I was like, yeah, so what's up with the wound G? <laughs> like, um, cause a lot of people talk about it and I've, I've never really known. I don't, I'm pretty sure I've never played with the wound G. So I'm not, I mean, I'm everyone. Everyone, I guess, says, you know, you know, you you would know if you did, but I've never understood it and I've never gotten really like, I want to know what the feel is and what the difference is. So I guess, Scott, you can tell us kind of, and it also seems like one of those things, like strings seem to be a big one in the sense of it has a lot of like uh, pop words that people use yeah. to like, get everyone's attention. So like, there's like, like hand wound strings and yeah. um, you've got, uh, you know, the whole custom set thing really isn't as popular. String joy really hit that market. <laughs> and then, um, but yeah, wound G hand wound stuff like that. So I've, I've, oh, yeah. you know, tell me the, the difference in hex core, stuff like that. So there, there's yeah. a, there's a lot to unpack there. I, I'm going to start with your, your first question, uh, about wound G. So that's actually a good thing to ask now. Cause I was just talking about how, uh, a set of nines in many cases would start as a set of 12s that slid down, right? Um, and everyone yeah. found a thinner high E. So that's actually a really good point. Back at this time, um, all guitars had wound third strings. Um, the concept of a plain third came from that sliding down of a set um, in order to make a lighter gauge set. That was the first time you'd really see a plain third string because of what used to be the B string became the G string. Um, so... In many ways, that's why if you have a, a string on your guitar that sounds kind of funky and sounds kind of wrong, in most cases, it's the G. Um, and, and in many ways, this is because guitars, most of the guitar shapes that we're playing, uh, even to this day, were made before players started using a plain third string. So in many ways, guitars were designed for a wound third. Does that mean that you have to play a wound third? No, by, by no means. Um, but that's why a lot of times people have intonation issues at the third string or they find that their third string really really pops out uh, a lot more when you strum a chord than the other strings. Um, it, it all results from that, because it wasn't really made for it in the first place. So uh, a wound third string, to me, tends to frequently intonate a little bit better. Um, it tends to have a more natural, kind of fuller, warmer sound at that position um, than having that sort of tinny, thunky um, sound of a traditional plain third string. Um, and I, I, for one, am a very big fan of them. I, I back in high school, was playing in jazz band a lot, um, and wanted to have a wound third for jazz, but I was also playing uh, rock and, and even worship stuff back then and all sorts of different stuff. So uh, I wanted a set that kind of worked for that. So I, that was what started me making custom sets. Is I wanted to get a wound 18 so that I could get um, a lot of the sound and the intonation benefits of a third string because uh, my Les Paul back then it just wouldn't, wouldn't stay in tune uh, on the G. It just didn't feel right. Um, but I wanted to be able to bend it. So that's why I started mixing sets in the first place be able to grab that wound 18 
uh, and use that. Uh, and I really like those like wound 18s uh, or wound 20s because they bend in many ways like a plain string, um, but they they get those other advantages of a wound string. They're kind of the best of both worlds to me. So typically the the knock against the Gibson headstock is the G string never stays in tune. Yeah. It does a wound what does a wound G help with that? Yep. Yeah, it, it usually just fixes it. <laughs> that's that's so again like go. that's that's why I if if I didn't have that issue with my Les Paul back then when I was like 17, uh, I would not own a string company today. Uh, that's like what I, I had to try to fix that darn thing. Uh, and a wound string was the only thing that would fix it for me. Um, and that's hmm. what started me tumbling forward into understanding strings. Because that, that was the first time I was like, all right, I have this guitar. It came from the guitar store. It should work. And then I'm getting these strings. They came from the guitar store too. I should put them on the guitar and everything should work just right. Um, and so when it didn't, and then I found out that me buying a wound 18 and like throwing it on there made everything work again, that's what kind of like opened my eyes of like maybe these guys don't know everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's an interesting thing because like on my acoustic, I never really have problems with my G string, and right. it you know it, it doesn't have that different of a headstock between a Taylor and a Gibson. I know I'm people are going to disagree with me on that, but you know it, it's still that angled you know takeoff on the G and. I don't have tuning issues, but it's wound on an acoustic string. Third. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not to say that's the only way to to deal with it. You know, a really great tech can do some things to uh, to help it. But in in my opinion, it really is um, it really is a thing with the, the plain third versus the wound third. I I love wound thirds, um, and that's one reason that when we when I started Stringjoy and we made a lot of our sets customizable. Um, I wanted it so that you could throw a wound third on any set, whether you were playing a set of nines or tens or elevens, because for the longest time, the only way you could get a wound third was to get those like the Dario Jazz uh, strings that were like twelves, mm-hmm. um, twelves or elevens or something. Um, I think twelves. Um, and so I think a lot of people like associate the only situation in which you can play a wound third is if it's like a wound twenty-four or something, uh, and it's this really heavy, unbendable thing, uh, like you would see on an acoustic set. Um, but when you get like a very bendable, flexible wound third, they rule. Yeah, I had a hard time. Um, so I have this Epiphone Century that I talk about a bit, um, and oh, it's I got I got it because I was I really loved James Bay's first album, and he was playing a Century, and he had a wound G, and he talked about how like, how like the tone of that was important to like how he wrote songs because he has this chord structure where he just leaves the G string droning a lot. Mm-hmm. and open and so it's like uh it was hard to find a, a proper set for that guitar which again scott will talk <laughs> but uh yeah it, it, it's definitely a different animal when you have a, a wound g-string versus a plane yep i completely agree uh but, but I, I know what i was gonna say so yeah you Briefly, you were talking about the buzzwords, and there there are a lot. Um, I don't want to get too deep into all this because it's exhausting. Um, but yeah, the, the string industry is like very, very hype laden, um, and, and I think you'd see that in a lot of comparable industries. When you're looking at strings, like it, it's really the details, um, the gauging and sets, the core to cover ratios, uh, the materials that you're using. Um, these make a, a big difference in terms of the overall strings. But when you're looking at one set of strings from one, one company to another, you wouldn't necessarily see the difference, uh, assuming they have the same winding method. So it's kind of like wine. you know. As a result, when the differences are that, um, 
that specific and that kind of fine, um, you can a, a lot of hype gets kind of built up um, because it's it's hard to tell people like, oh, you should you know play these because they have this slightly different tonality. Um, a lot of companies end up really ramping it up. So there's there's a lot of buzzwords and things that uh, I I think are don't necessarily have that much meaning in terms of the actual product and how it performs and how it plays. Um, but they, you know, are one way of a company seeming unique. Th- that's a better way to put it. All these companies are making strings that are a little bit different from each other. They, they really are different. Like I say, a, a string is not a string, but, um, it, it's such a finely tuned and finely honed difference that a lot of companies really, you know, have to try to differentiate themselves even further to the consumer. So that's why you see people playing up things like, like round core, uh, or stuff like that, that, you know, the difference is a lot more minimal, but they're really trying to make it seem like it's this huge difference. Oh, it's this one single variable when there's actually, you know, 12 going on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's just yeah. like that. It's like if you were wine and, you know, like the actual difference between a wine is the, you know, the exact climate and the exact humidity, but that doesn't sound very good. So you're like organic, like old vines, you know, like this is mm-hmm. old vine wine. And it's not that it's not different in other ways. It's that people don't really understand it. So you try to pick one thing and then you get all this hype about like is old does that mean anything um and that one variable doesn't necessarily really mean that much it's more of a, a marketing that, trick i just think that everyone should have a video of kirk hammett trying to make your the strings go out of tune <laughs> <laughs> that yeah so they there there's a video out right now of a good a string company which one is it? i think it's Ernie ball <laughs> yeah. they're like the strings won't go out of tune and like yeah. they've got Kirk Hammett just sounding absolutely horrible with a wah pedal, like going nuts. And he's like, I can't go out of tune. I'm like, dude, that's not your issue. It's not the tuning. I promise. And then you pull up the Amazon reviews of any of, and I I don't mean here just those guys, but you pull up the Amazon reviews and there's, you know, there'll be a million regular players saying, for example, they went out of tune. (laughs) You know, it's it's, it's always this, or, or, you know, you get an unbreakable string and then, you know, the reviews are all, um, a long list of people talking about how they break. <laughs> so here's my here's here, I have a I have a question. This isn't like on our list at all. So I know a common thing is that you know people are like, oh, I had the strings on for a week and they broke, um, yeah. or like a string broke. So I know the fail rate on uh, foot switches, like stomp switches. Um, like you you buy like a batch of a thousand and like. Like a lot of them are bad. So when you guys are building, whenever you guys have strings going out, do you guys have like an accepted, like, yeah, you're, it's, it's going to happen. Just, it's not quality control. It's not like that. It's just the nature the of warranty. the beast. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent uh, question. Um, excellent question. So yeah, some strings are, are going to break and there's like a, a million different factors here. I mean, Mm-hmm. I would say maybe you know four out of five times that I, I get a, somebody writing in about a string breaking, it broke right you know at on the tuning peg or right on the bridge uh, or you know against some sort of sharp thing on the guitar. Like that's that's usually the culprit. Um, Isn't doesn't jazz masters have like a bad notoriety? Like don't they have a notoriety yeah. for having a string break? Yeah, it's right there where like there, there's like a screw like right around where the tremolo arm is, so that can mess it up. Yeah. but but yeah, so like even even with that. Uh, accepted. There are there are some strings that just once you get them under tension again, um, they're going to break. So what we do is just we replace any string that breaks early, and we let the customer decide. You know what early constitutes there. We haven't really thus far had anybody you know uh, taking advantage too much of that. 
Um, but but all you can do. I've had really them on is, for three months and one of them broke. This is ridiculous. Yeah, and that does happen. But we still replace it. You know, we want people to be happy. Um, if it's early for them, then that's what it is. But what what's really rough is you know our our failure rate. It, it's very variable, but I would say it's usually around one in five thousand or one in ten thousand strings. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, the issue with that is that when you're moving enough volume, that becomes one person writing in every other day. Um, yeah, and true. the issue is that those people that get those strings are pissed. I mean, pissed, monstrously pissed. I get I, the emails I get are always people, you know, threatening my family and just, just <laughs> it's, it, it's the worst thing that's ever happened. And it's a really tricky thing on my side because, you know, all, all we can do is try to minimize that as much as possible. And, you know, one in, one in 10,000, mm-hmm. for example, um, is a really, really impressive rate, I think, for about anything. Um, but strings are one of those weird things. If that happens, people really freak out. And the thing is, it can happen with any brand. It's kind of an odds game. But for so many people, mm-hmm. their, their opinions of a lot of different brands of strings come down solely to how those odds have shaken out. I've talked with so many people that are like, yeah, I bought a set of Ernie's or DHS or whatever that are good strings. Uh, and, and, you know, a string broke. And like, oh, I'll never play that crap again. And it's like, well, that just, yeah. you just kind of got, that's kind of just how it happened. You know, you broke Yeah, because... You see that a lot, like with uh, with stomp boxes. People are like, "The foot switch went out. This is crap made." It's like, no, they're they're like, it's it's just a variable, and it's a lot of it's the way the the company handles it. Exactly, like you said, you know, you're. I mean, I've dealt with plenty of good, you know, strain companies before, and and especially like the the smaller guys or like the the non Ernie Ball and Dadario, uh, um, they're usually pretty good usually it's like you're talking to a guy that you know like from their personality or so such you know you're you're like hey and they're like oh no no i got you it's sent back out and it's like i don't think people understand sometimes how like how how common like you said you're putting out a lot of volume and it's Mm -hmm. like or how uncommon it is so i just thought it'd be cool to like hear an actual string builder or, or you know string you know company talk about like you know like hey it happens it sucks but you know it's the nature of the beast we, we fix it though yeah and, and that's that's all we can do you know uh, and and I, I really try to let people know as much as possible like hit us up if it happens like we, we again we want it to happen as as infrequently as humanly possible but uh it will happen and all i think you can do is really take care of people um when that that does happen uh, but I, I get people, man, that, you know, will write in and uh, they put a string on or a set on and a string broke. Uh, they'll always say the same thing. Uh, there, there's like a few components that are the same across every email I get. Uh, number one is I have been playing for X, uh, I would usually 30 to 50 years, um, and I've never broken a string in my ever. Uh, they always say that every time. And I'm like, I right. don't believe that. That's what an insane thing to say. Um, like, if you haven't broken a string in 45 years of playing guitar... I need to learn something from you because <laughs> I have broken many more. But they'll always say that. Well, and then, you know, so, sometimes if I try to fix it, there's like, I have no interest. I won't be playing your strings. Like, all right. So people really, <laughs> it, it really, it gets to me emotionally. I need to have somebody else answer those things because it's my baby, you know? Like, I, I really try to um, have a really, really close relationship with the customer and, and, and fix every single problem that can come up. Um, and so it's, it's always sad when, when people get real angry and mean. <laughs> I'm just going to start writing in random complaints. I'll be like, I put my strings 
under wire cutters and they all broke i don't know <laughs> this is insane <laughs> like <laughs> well I, I, there's different types of breaking a string that like affects your viewpoint of it like i got i got a free set of strings at a guitar show i went to um like it was just like a goodie bag for everyone who signed up like the first 500 people or whatever oh, wow. and i got it and the wrap undid mm-hmm. when i was stringing <laughs> up like the, i i gave it tension and immediately just it gave and so and you, I was like, when you say wrap, do you mean like the twist lock on a plain string at the at the ball end, or do you mean like the the wrap yeah. around the like a wound string? Oh, the, it was the it was the ball end at the high E string. Just like I just uh, kept yeah. tuning, and it just kept going and going and going, and mm-hmm. then the ball end just dropped out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was like, and that's actually like that's that's kind of a rarer. So I I've talked in my videos a lot about this that I think a lot of people's opinions on strings are are like uh, especially shaped by plain strings. Um, and this mm-hmm. is one of those things in the industry that I, I've tried to shed more light on. I don't, I don't know if people here or not, but um, plain strings aren't all that different from one company to another. Uh, your gauging's really similar. There's a few different types of music wire. Uh, it's basically, like a plain string is made from uh, a type of steel known as as music wire. It's a high carbon tempered steel, um, and and it's basically an industry standard. There's a, there's a few different things you can do to it, whether you're tinning it uh, or things like that um, to change it. But in general, like a lot of people are using pretty much like really similar wire. So the differences between companies have more to do with like storage and freshness um, of a string and then how they're securing that that twist uh, at the ball end, the twist lock. Um, mm-hmm. So if that twist lock is coming off, then that's that's a, a finger pointing thing, uh, certainly. But in a lot of cases, if that wire is kind of breaking in the middle, that uh, that could kind of happen from any <laughs> brand. They're not that different. Like the differences between string companies are far more pronounced in your wound strings um, than your your you know your plain strings. Yeah, I always break strings when I'm bending. That's like if I if I have a string go out, it's a bend or something. Yeah. But I'm a, I'm like I'm a hard bender. I'm like one of those people that's like I'm gonna see if I can take it up three whole notes. Like I'll just I'm just keep going 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 going. So. <laughs> Well, so, Scott, I guess the last kind of thing I want to kind of talk to you through is uh, the everyone always talks about if you're going to downtune, you need to um, increase your gauge. And you just recently did a video where you were running 17s mm-hmm. on a 24 and 3 quarter inch scale. So um, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. I, I think it goes back to your tension discussion earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- so basically, when you're looking at, at, at tension uh, on a given string, the, the formula um, takes into account uh, like three main factors, which is like the, the gauge, or more specifically the mass of a string, um, the scale length, and then the pitch. Um, th- those are like the three factors that shape um, tension, and, and each of those levers kind of changes it. So if you're looking to tune down in pitch, then you need to either or... Um, increase your scale length or increase your gauge or both. Um, both of those things will help bring your tension back to what you're used to. Um, but you don't necessarily need to change both. So in that case that you were talking about, uh, I was doing a video on YouTube just kind of to show people that you can hmm. you can be a lot more adventurous with the strings on your guitar than I think a lot of people uh, think you can. So I, I did a 17 to I think 64 uh, set on this little Epiphone 339 uh, and was running it uh, B to B, so basically a baritone tuning, um, and it worked great. I, I had to raise the action at just a tick to get uh, that low B since the 64 to not buzz a little bit. Um, but 
with really no trouble. Uh, it worked absolutely just fine. Um, if I had a longer scale length, then I wouldn't have needed to go as heavy. Um, and I could have done it with 14s or 17s and gotten to B to B as well. Um, but you can do a lot more. Your guitar can handle a lot more than you think. Uh, and Diaz had asked earlier in the pre-show um, that because all those things are relative in shaping tension, 17s aren't necessarily any worse for your guitar's neck than 10s um, or than 12s or 15s as long as what they're tuned to is, is matching um, what, what the gauge is. So my, the, my guitar with 17s on it right now has about the same tension as you would see uh, like a, uh, a set of like 11 and a halfs or so uh, in standard E. Hmm. And that's just because you went so high on the gauge, right? Uh, I went so high to on the gauge and I went so low on the tuning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah oh. the, the, ma the match in general, if I wanted to go like B2B uh, and keep the tension the exact same as a set of 10s would be like a set of 13s. Huh. So, uh, how often are you seeing people with that? Because, like, often when we think of a baritone guitar, it's often people trying to sell us a 27 or a 28 inch neck. Um, how, yeah, are, is, is this a common thing? Yeah, it, it is. I, I will say uh, a longer scale can be great. A uh, longer scale in instruments are awesome for tuning down, certainly. Um, but yeah, we get people that order really heavy stuff. J Joey Landreth, who's an amazing slide player, um, this is in the Brothers Landreth. Uh, he plays a uh -huh. set of 19s, uh, and he's tuned it to C uh, with those. <laughs> so so that's a lot of attention. Uh, and his, his Sir guitar can handle it just fine. Well, I, I imagine when you're resting a slide on a guitar, you actually want more tension, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Slide players can can uh, get away with a lot more on that front, and you're exactly right. If you're trying to play a slide with nines, it's just going to push it down. You're going to be knocking your frets uh, more mm -hmm. than you would want to. Uh, but yeah, there's there, there's always a lot of different things that I want people to know out there. Um, one of them being you can you you don't have to just play tens on your guitar. Your guitar can handle. Um, a lot more than you think. You can definitely go pretty heavy uh, and perfectly get away with it. Um, on the other side, I think too much hype gets built up about using really, really heavy gauges, and you can have great tone uh, while playing really, really light gauges. A lot of players have played eights or nines or even sevens um, and can sound pretty good, especially if you're playing yeah, a lot of drive. I actually messaged you about that. I yeah. messaged you about the the lighter gauge because um, Brian May is a popular one that uses light gauge, and so does uh, Billy uh, F. Gibbons. Oh yeah, uh, he uses light gauge as well. So um, it's yeah, like one it's... of those people relate people relate beefiness of your tone to gauge, and they're right. like, oh, if you want a real beefy tone, they're like Steve Ray Vaughan played with thirteens and da 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 da, and mm -hmm. it's like, well, that's not always the case. Yeah, I mean, it, it is there. Like, certainly, um, a heavier set of strings will give you that beefier tone. But the thing is, mm -hmm. it's a lot more apparent when you're when you're playing clean. If you're playing, like, with drive, you can run eights into a, a Marshall full stack and sound like a monster. Um, yeah. It, there's a reason you see jazz players playing 13s and 14s and 15s, though. Because uh, when you're clean, you really need that, that meatiness of the string to be able to create that full tone. Um, but also, I think string gauge has a... a there's so much to know about it, right? It's it's my life's work, at least thus far, um, to know it. But I, I think string gauge informs you know your genre as well um, in in ways that extend beyond the way people realize. I think 
you wouldn't want to play funk on on 13s. You wouldn't get that fret action with the the strings the right way. Um, you need thinner strings for that funk. At the same time, jazz on nines would sound kind of thin. Um, you really, you really, it's nice to have 12s, 13s, or more um, for jazz. So I, I keep different guitars strung with different cage, gauges for different purposes um, and different tone. And I think more players should look at doing the same thing. I think a lot of players are just grabbing tens off the shelf at the music store. Um, and, and I think people are coming awake to that with strings too. That was a lot of my mission in, in starting String Joy years ago was um, I had watched as a guitarist players go from um, with effect pedals from, from being in this circumstance where you just grab a, a DS1 and then plug it in and that's your tone to realizing how much uh, pedals can do for your tone and help shape uh, how you are as a player and what style you're playing and how it sounds. Um, and I think my mission certainly is to be able to provide people that same realization with strings, um, that they're not just this thing that you just grab and, uh, at the store and throw on your guitar and that's it. Um, they're far more important than that, I think. Well, and this is uh, a really good way to, to say that this is also something that you're passionate about that you can write in to string droid like this is something that you guys do is is work with people on like mm -hmm. like finding their strings for them that works for the you know what they play what guitar they're playing with what they like to feel stuff like that it's like i mean you don't you don't get that from some of these mm -hmm. other companies yeah absolutely I mean, that, that, that's that's a big piece of what we provide i mean when, when people ask me what what is the difference with string joy um I think they're expecting me to to be able to do this old school like string thing like I don't know Dean Markley with blue steels you know where you're like oh well they're they're strings except these are cryogenically frozen and it, it's not one thing with us um, that level of service we provide being able to work with people um, dial in a specific gauge for their particular setup um, and continue to help work and tweak with it and make those gauges easily available um, for them. Pairing that, I think, with uh, the service you get from us in terms of replacing broken strings or being there to fix that, um, paired with the level of craftsmanship that we have that goes into our strings um, and having this slower, more deliberate um, sort of crafting uh, process as opposed to like just a volume-focused factory, um, which is not how we mm -hmm. produce strings. Um, all that stuff together is, is, is what makes us uh, a unique option and a different option. And, and I think it's, it's a powerful... Uh, statement. I, I think a lot of players that have come over to our side have just been amazed at, like, oh, this is what it could be. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you, you mentioned a great point there of like all your guitars don't need to be tens. Yeah, and like that was kind of with you. That was one of the things that kind of cracked Jazzmasters for me, and like why mm -hmm. I'm like loving my Jazzmaster right now was I've played tens on a strat and that's like what I'm used to the feel on and finally picking up and using a um going to a ten and a half mm -hmm. I like the feel a lot more and like I, I a few weeks ago we talked about it, I tr I played one of the the telly with the jazzmaster vibrato on it and I was mm -hmm. like it just feels too loose mm -hmm. that, like that was the first thing I noticed and it's like I need to do different gauge strings to get the feel with the vibrato and all those things to work too. So it's all part of that game that you're playing or adjusting to get it to feel right. Yeah, totally. And yeah, for example, I've got 11s on my jazz master. Uh, it, I think it came with like, it came with the Dario's like tens or something like that. Um, and as soon as I strung up 11s, that puppy, uh, it got playing a lot better. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds just mm -hmm. right to me now. Um, and that, that, that gauge differs for everybody. Certainly. 
Uh, but you're right. It, it's it's ultimately like you're you're playing your guitar and and your strings. Um, it's it's not like a, a knob or something on your guitar. Like it, it's it's what your hands are actually moving and pushing and pulling around to make the sound. They're the things that are vibrating. Your guitar mm-hmm. is designed yep. to create a place for your strings to resonate. Um, yep. You're not you're not playing the guitar exactly. <laughs> uh, that's kind of silly to say, but you know what I mean. Like you're not like pounding on the body like a drum or something. Well, you're, you're playing well, your you're... strings and your guitar is resonating. Yeah, what you're hearing is your guitar resonating, your strings, and your pickups picking up the strings. Like exactly, that's what it is. But um, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a prime example of something that people can talk to Scott and the guy, you know, the the group at Stringjoy about. Um, but I think we've really hit a lot of good stuff here. So um, if you guys have any more questions, also Scott is in the group. So True. you can feel feel free to to bring something up there. So tag me, it's been and I, real f- I'm always lurking silent, like silently in the group. <laughs> I love I love I love getting random likes from Scott in the in the group. So I'm, I'm always like, there. Yeah. I'm just not always commenting. Yeah, I think we I think I tagged you recently in like a, a Nashville tuning discussion for um a guitar. Oh, nice. So, I might yeah. have even missed that. Yeah. Goodness. Facebook but. scares me these days, you know, though I, I do use it a lot and we advertise on it. But uh, my girlfriend and I were sitting around the house earlier uh, and she was like, man, I've got an hour uh, before I have to go help a friend move. Maybe I should learn guitar um, just as a, as a joke. And I was like, yeah, that's that, we, we've got an hour. That'll, that'll be enough time. But anyway, she <laughs> totally. pulled up and opened Facebook uh, or Instagram or whatever right after that. And what is the first thing she saw but an ad from Fender to learn how to play guitar? Now, I'm not saying they're listening to you. Because like the actual logistics oh, no. of storing that data would they're, be hard. They're totally listening. But like, they're totally listening. Man, I, I yeah, it, it's crazy. Listen, I th- I'm waiting to get an advertisement for mac and cheese. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so Scott, it's been really awesome having you on here. Uh, I really appreciate sure. it. I yep. know that everyone else does. So, um, Chris, why don't you do that whole wrap up thing? Yeah. So. Uh, th- like uh, Diaz said, thank you, Scott, for joining us. It's been fun having you on. Thank you for having me, guys. Um, and also, and thank gal. you for uh, sponsoring us, since we can actually like thank you personally uh, for sponsoring this episode, <laughs> since you're on here. Heck yeah. It's, uh, uh, you guys are doing, yes. uh, I know you're doing the wrap-up, uh, and people are probably tired oh, yeah. of listening, but what you guys are doing, I think, is really awesome. It's great to see oh, um, really, really informed people talking about um, gear and being curious about here and, and asking hold on, questions. Hold on, hold on. I need to he has you. not been listening to our hold podcast. No, 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 no. I want to point out something. I want to point out. Listen, some of us are informed. Some of us have no clue what's going on. But here, here is the thing that you do uh, that differs because everybody doesn't know some things, right? But especially on the internet, there's oh, yeah. a lot of people kind of that have become the new series of experts with gear that don't know the answer to something. But they'll they'll act like they do, and they'll like tell everybody this is how it is. Um, and I see it on the back end uh, all the time in like my support because people will be like, "Oh, well, this YouTuber said I should pl- like play this for that." I'm like, no, that's a terrible idea. Why would you listen to that guy? He doesn't know what he's talking about. So you guys, what I think is really cool is that uh, you like what with what you did with me. Um, you you know uh, a lot about some things, but when you don't know something, you're okay with finding the answer and reaching out to a source. Um, that might know it. I think that that that's cool. So thank you for being that way. Oh, totally. 
All right. Uh, so I think that does it for us. Uh, be sure to check out Stringjoy at, I believe it's stringjoy.com, correct? It's that easy. Yep. All right. Um, and also, you can follow them on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and all that. And keep mentioning YouTube. So I'm assuming you have a YouTube channel for yep. the company. Sure do. Awesome. Yeah, subscribe awesome. to we'll that. Sh- you do about a weekly blog on that, right, Scott? Yeah, yeah, about a week or, or two a week. It depends on how much time I have usually. Oh, nice. So, yeah, we'll have links to all that down in the description. Um, and also we'll have links to all of our stuff down in the description. Um, so I think that does it for us. So thank you for joining us. I've been Chris. I'm Marissa. I'm Scott. And I'm Diaz. I'm also oh, Scott. And then, and that's also Scott. <laughs> so, and, and don't forget to also follow us on Instagram. Check out the Facebook group. Uh, check out our YouTube. Um, if you want to tell us about how your strings broke, you can get a hold of us at the effects loop at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to get it. I'm looking forward to that email. Send it to uh, Blake <laughs> at theeffectsloop.com. Yeah, we can just we're gonna make up. If you can send it to anyone at theeffectsloop.com, and no one will respond back. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it's been an awesome episode. We will see you guys next week. See ya. See ya, Thanks, everybody. See ya.